Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. Welcome to the scary hours. You know, we haven't done a Halloween movie roundup. But um, I do want to actually get the heavy thing out of the way real quick. Speaking of scary hours. So, we at the Flood recognize the rapidly changing situation of the Israel-Palestine conflict. The situation is very fluid and emotional tensions are very high. We intend to discuss media coverage of it briefly, but since we record a week behind and we get updates the same time all of you do, we will refrain from covering the war itself. I personally almost collapsed in tears watching coverage that I could not ignore. We mourn for all the innocent lives lost. We unironically are keeping you in our thoughts and prayers. To the Palestinian and Israeli civilians, I only ask of two things. Please survive, and please start recording in landscape. Bro, it's rough. Uh, the whole situation I know, like seriously, rough. like vertical cuts off so much important information. Like, I get right it, TikTok is a thing, but turn your phone sideways. Look, I know you're getting shot at, but think about us. Oh, man. <laughs> There's a joke in there that I made that you're going to get when you go to edit and you're going to be like, oh, my God. Because um, it's no laughing matter. Actually, it's not a fucking joke. This shit is actually horrific. Um, and it's all Benjamin Netanyahu's fault. Uh, it's No, it's not all Benjamin yet. The blame could be placed anywhere from Zionist to extremist to... Let's first say uh, the blame starts with those who the pulled British the trigger. Colonial, so Britain. Uh, it, the people the who were shooting people, they're uh, at first to blame. So Britain, uh, it's Britain. Um, because <laughs> let's 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 be real about it. I was it. watching a, a YouTube streamer let's, earlier. Let's be real about it, dog. Like, I was watching a YouTube streamer earlier, and they said, "No, trust me, I'm British. We're the best at stealing things." And I was, I laughed. Palestine. The Palestinian people have been there since before before World War II. They were in occupied territory then by the Ottoman Empire after World War II. The Zionists and the British got together they collaborated on an effort to give the Jewish people a place where they could find refuge after the scourges of the war. Right? The um, Holocaust. That unfortunately also happened to be occupied territory uh, occupied by Palestinian people. Um, and with that little brief TLDR, um, it's just gotten muddy from there. And this recent occurrence is the result of 75 years, I believe, of just absolute tension, unnecessary 
political discourse, there's no good guy here. So right? how, um, what has your reaction to the media coverage been? Oh, it's very typical. Uh, the media coverage has always been Zionist, and this may cost us, you know, sponsors in the long run at some point. But I'm just gonna be real about it. Like, as if I, if somebody gave you the TLDR of what was going on between Israel and Palestine right now, like I just did, that there, there's no, there's no bias in what I told you just now. That is the fact of the matter, is the British Empire, after being given the the territory that is Palestine to divvy up after World War II, after liberating Palestine from the Ottoman Empire, Ottoman occupation, uh, decided that the best thing to do with that territory, without discussing with the Palestinian people who were occupying that territory at the time, uh, would be to hand it over to the new Zionist movement. Thus began Israeli occupation of Palestinian territory. They have systemically been dwindling down Palestinian territory since then. So with that context being given here, do I think that what Hamas did is okay? Absolutely fucking not. No, I've seen I some of the believe... worst things I've ever seen in my life. Here's week. where I have to say, let me cook. Because I believe, like other people have stated, Palestine deserves better than Hamas. What the Palestinian people are going through, given the context, is a fucking travesty. It is cultural genocide. I will say that it has been a U.S. foreign policy slash request uh, for the longest for Israel to allow for the establishment of a Palestinian state. Do I think that Israel should be allowed to have a statehood should be allowed to have sovereignty somewhere? Yes. Um, I just, you know, one would hope that it would have been peaceful, and, right? Like, you would think after the Holocaust, <laughs> it would be peaceful. But if you look into the shit that has been going on with Israel and Palestine, you would be like, whoa, this is who doing this? After what? Like, it's kind of nuts which is why this is not pretty there's no pretty way to discuss this there is no which is why i wanted to talk about the narratives here as you mentioned because from fox news to cnn there's a very pro israel narrative being pushed here in america yes Right? So much so to the point where anybody who is pro-Palestine, right, or even sympathy for Palestine is being censored, quelled, or, like, squashed altogether. To the point right? where uh, you are being... France actually even outlawed pro-Palestinian uh, 
protest. Well, that I'm not surprised by that at all, considering France's relationship with, uh, I, I think it was Hamas that conducted some of those terrorist attacks in France within the last 10 years. But regardless, right? Um, yes, pro-Palestine or sympathy for the Palestinian people once again is now being grouped in with uh, somehow like approval for Hamas and I think that is one of the major points of the narratives that are being transferred especially here in America right that uh, need to be like analyzed because like it is crazy to be like no the Palestinian like given the context once again to be like no the Palestinian people deserve better than Israel or Hamas, right? Yeah, like that's that's crazy. Yeah, right. Like Is it, it, it's so weird. They should be treated better than the people who kick them out into a shithole, and then the people who are using them as human shields. Yeah, they should be treated better than both of those. Or use uh, human shields. I feel like that's even reductive, right? Because what Hamas is doing is taking the plight of the Palestinian people and using that as a shield. Right. Also, like, they will use people as, as human shoes. Yes, like yes, that's, they will. Like, but like, let's, you, you let's hear not... people from the IDF describing that they are willing to but do anything, let's... and then you see these videos, and you're like, they really might be able or willing to do anything. But like, let's not. Okay, but you say that, but there are also videos online of the things that the IDF are doing to Palestinian people in response to. Hamas. Which is why I don't like diving into anecdotal evidence. But it's culture and it's culture and context. Yes. Right? And these things, this is the discourse that is going on right now. Because what is getting the major push here in America is the IDF narrative. But what I'm but what is also very easily found right now is the Palestinian narrative. And there are lots of reports that on both sides that have been labeled fake news at this point, but there are also lots of very reliable sources on both sides that are showing IDF indiscriminatory, like re retribution against Palestinian citizens, which is to them normal, not normal, right? But like more of like what a ramping up of what they had already been going through because like let's not forget this is like they have been under a cultural genocide so being the pop culture digest podcast that we are despite the fact that we said we are not going to cover the war itself because well we we're are, not just talking about the war we're yeah. talking about the narrative and like these are the two narratives that are going around right now it is the travesty that is what's happening in Israel and also the evil likeness that is terrorism right? what I was going to say is despite all of this muddiness we do get information the same time that y'all do and through my depressing obsession with all of this news coming out, I will tell you that the source that I personally have found the most reliable and 
least biased on YouTube is called Channel 4 News. It's a British broadcasting uh, network. I have seen them in the same 20-minute segment interview an, an IDF general and a Hamas spokesperson. And I the believe, same guy interviewed both. I believe we covered a, uh, a Channel 4 story a couple of weeks ago on the pod. The reporting I have seen coming from uh, the UK in general seems to be much more, I will say, well-centered than the reporting that's coming out of America at the moment. The British press seems to be actively trying to be more centered. I remember one of the uh, commentators on Channel 4 used... They discussed why they use the word militants instead of the word terrorist. And it's because they are trying to remain absolutely as neutral yeah. as possible. Because this is a nuanced situation. Yes. Right? And Would by nuanced, uh, I mean Britain has to remain centered because they're the ones who started this whole and I would say, like, I messaged you and when we were talking on Instagram before we recorded, he would ask hard questions of, like, the Hamas representative, and he'd be like, yeah, so you just killed, like, 2,000 people indiscriminately. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, 1947. And he was like, yeah, but this is, like, wait a minute, children, like, like 2,000 of them. I mean, and once then, again, in retort, I... I also saw an interview where a woman on the Palestinian side was being asked questions about, you know, the beheaded Palestinian children that she had seen. I was going to say, right after that interview with the Hamas spokesperson, right. the same old British guy in the same segment interviewed an IDF general and was like, so you expect like two million people to just like relocate within a day and you don't understand why that's a problem? That's good. Criticizing both sides yeah. about yeah. their ridiculousness, which is why if you are going to try and like well, I said, I would, I've been watching a lot. I would argue that the levels of ridiculousness are rising. No, but uh, if, if you are no looking, I would argue that the levels of ridiculousness that are being attributed to both sides are a little bit unbalanced when you get a little bit deeper into what is actually going on down on ground level. So what I say to our listeners is maintain and refine your sense of media literacy. I would recommend you watch news coverage from all sources, but if you are looking for something closest to a control group, I would recommend Channel 4 News. Um, I would recommend... <laughs> Not, I would recommend not like clock watching this shit right now because it is a developing situation. And it's wildly depressing. Um, And it is wildly depressing and it is best consumed, I would say, at best on a weekly basis because there is no telling what's going to happen with the situation as it's developing. Um... All I'm saying is thank God the news reels know when to blur or cut to black. There's some really rough stuff to watch. Uh, yeah, nigga, I was on, uh, 
thanks to Elon Musk, you can see beheaded children uh, being paraded around the streets of Palestine uh, or, or, or the Gaza. There are very few pictures of the rape of Nan King, but from what I have seen, he would prefer you guys do it in landscape instead of portrait mode, as he stated earlier at the beginning of the segment, um, because it's a little rough to watch uh, beheaded children yeah, in portrait hard. mode. Um, We're taking a break. I, I have no good transition for, to anything else. We're nah, I, we could we could take a break after I I, I clear something up, right? Because okay. I feel like I have to clear up my my crassness right um because i feel like what's going around right now is a kind of like polishing of the ugliness of war right and this is a narrative that isn't being discussed on mainstream media but when you go to like you know outlets like x the everything the everything <laughs> or youtube right you can see like the you know, actually you, everything app your streamers and your influencers and the real side of things and what i feel like you know one of the reasons why world war ii and vietnam are such huge impactful moments in americano right are because at those points in times in american history right uh the, the television was a new thing and tvs in every household were becoming more and more ubiquitous right and 24-hour news right hadn't yet become a thing but news like coverage yeah. was a thing hi the this is walter cronkite world war ii was one of the first heavily covered stories right the the vietnam in, in war. excess the first pop covered war was the civil war which is actually the first war that really caused public but, perception to but shift radio was a thing at the time of uh world war ii right which, which allowed the coverage the which allowed the coverage of world war ii to be a more mass publicized thing. Yes. right uh the vietnam war tvs were a thing Right, and that allowed people to actually see the. At first, in World War II, people could just hear. It, right, in Vietnam, they had journalists on ingrained the ground, the and units. people could see. It. And you remember what happened in this country when people could see the ugliness of war. Now, I bring all this up to zero in on the fact that right now, right. You can see the ugliness of war in portrait mode. My nigga, like, <laughs> it's real out here. Do not just listen to Fox News. If you want to see it, you can go online and see it. And yes, some of it is fake, but what is real but is But if it's real, it's in portrait mode. Are dying. In portrait mode. People are dying. Dying over borders, over territory, over land claims, over rich nigga shit. In Palestine, <laughs> in Israel, 
in Ukraine, in Chicago. And eventually, one of these days, we got to ask ourselves why. But I'm going to let you think about that while we take a break. While we are facing global catastrophe, we have a national catastrophe. You know, we're facing a government shutdown, right? Oh, I thought you were talking. Yeah, I, I, I thought so you were talking about So we're facing a government shutdown, right? You know who can prevent that? Congress. You know who doesn't have a leader? Congress. That's right. We all know former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy has been removed from speakership for the first, for time, the first time in, in American history. history. Can you believe that they hated this nigga that much? They hated Kevin McCarthy from the jump, though. Like, let's not forget that. Right? Like, like look, it if, took if, him 15 votes. 15 votes. Like, look, if <laughs> Kevin McCarthy got married at conception, he would have been divorced by the time the baby was born. Can you imagine if to get married you had to ask the girl 15 times? <laughs> Please clap. <laughs> Please marry me. I put the ball on the tee and you just crushed a home run. God bless you. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Kevin McCarthy back there like, I'm trying, Beyonce, I'm trying. I'm trying, Jennifer. That's an NBA meme. I'll show you after this. Please, but anyway, man. I Please, have man. a title shift. <laughs> What? What the fuck? Shout out Will Smith for being in the drop. Uh, <laughs> Somebody check on Will, please. A new Speaker of the House. And I have five options for you. You ready? Donald, Donald, first off, Donald, and first Donald. off, <laughs> representative from Ohio, Jim Jordan. That, so that's who they're trying to bankroll now, right? And, like, Kevin McCarthy has recently come out and said that if he can't get uh, reinstated because he wants to save uh, Israel, uh, then he's putting all of his weight behind Jim Jordan. Okay. So, that is option one. There is only one other person on this list with government experience. But I will say... The next choice, because as we all know, you don't have to be a member of Congress to be Speaker of the House. No, you don't, which is why the only answer, the real answer. Snoop D-O-double-G. Oh, 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 you guys thought I was going to say Dylon. <laughs> uh, no, uh, okay. Do you all want right. me to give you all of the people? Yeah, because I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to. So, Snoop. D-O-double-G. It's the hizzle. He always want to dance. Kevin Feige. What? <laughs> that's, that's almost more of a curveball than Snoop Dogg. Keep going. Greg Popovich. The coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, I, I see where you're coming from with that one. That's less of a curveball still than Kevin Feige. A business conglomerate and female representation, Kim Kardashian. 
Do you think we exist in a timeline where the Republican Party would play ball with Kim Kardashian being the Speaker of the House? Well, we only have one other candidate and the only one with political no, experience. No, they would, they would fucking elect Hakeem Jeffries before they put Kim Kardashian I'm pretty speaker. sure Kim is not finishing last on this ballot. Because I have yet to tell you the, the only one with political experience. And that is me. So your choices are Snoop Dogg, Kevin Feige, Greg Popovich, Kim Kardashian, or your co-host. No, it's probably going to be dumb. It would be Dave Chappelle before it would be you. No offense. Um, it would Dave. It would be Dave Chappelle before it would be Kim Kardashian by like a like a thousand a thousand miles. What did What did Doctor Strange say when he was like weighing out the chances of them beating Thanos? Wasn't it like there's only one option <laughs> over like eight? Uh, wasn't it like 813 yeah. million uh, scenarios? Yeah, no. Uh, Kim Kardashian is a never. No, no disrespect to Kim, but like this Republican Party would never. Well, I say uh, Kevin Feige because he can make a mess out of this clusterfuck if uh, he can work with a multiverse. Yeah, no. Kevin Feige would definitely get elected before Kim Kardashian would as Speaker Snoop. of the House. Um, I could. Okay, so the fact that Donald Trump has been president. It leads me to believe that we exist in a universe where, like, fucking Alexander being president no. 10 years from now is not crazy to No, me. okay, that's crazy. Uh, no disrespect to Snoop Dogg. But, however, I could see a scenario where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says it as a joke, and then, like, Matt Gates also, like, cosigns as a joke because they're tired and they've been there all night, right? And, like, and, and everybody's run out of coke. Matt so. Gates is currently <laughs> ruining the world. And I don't even mean that as hyperbole. And Marjorie Taylor Greene agrees because she wasn't listening, right? And it starts this snowball effect. And then, all of a sudden, we wake up to Snoop Dogg has been elected to Speaker of the House. Right? So uh, the answer <laughs> of the five... It's Snoop Dogg. No, the answer of the five is uh, Jim Jordan. It's most oh, likely... Oh, shit, it's six. I forgot to actually include Jim Jordan. You did include them. I, I mean, in my notes, yeah. like, I wrote Jim Jordan because that's, like, the real answer, but... <laughs> Our listeners are like, you niggas can't count! Uh, you know who else can't count? Chris Evans. Uh, Chris Evans apparently can't count uh, because there's apparently been a huge discourse on the internet lately over his latest marriage. Uh, I say latest, like he's been married. But he recently got married to Alba Baptiste of, uh, what is that? I wanted to say Angry Nun fame. It's not Angry, a uh, Warrior Nun, uh, the Netflix show. Um, and <laughs> it has sparked a discussion on relationship age gaps because Chris Evans, don't know if you know, now you know, is 42 and Alpha Baptiste is 26. So 18 years. 18 years. 16. 16 years. 16. Math is hard. Why do I play years. red? Uh, you know who else thinks math is hard? Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Sorry. So, hold on. Half your age plus seven. Wow, she's under the half your age plus seven rule. So. By that, by that metric, the minimum that Chris Evans should go by, rounded up, is 29. 
some other uh, celebrities who have had questionable age gaps in their relationship. Hugh Hefner. Uh, Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles had a 10 year age gap. Uh, Olivia Wilde is older. Yeah. Well, she's older. That, I mean, By she's older. Years. That doesn't matter. Wait for me to assign gender roles. Robert De Niro and his newest beau uh, had a 34-year age. Al Pacino and his uh, most recent uh, love interest had a 54. Mick Jagger. Like, that might be a 50-year age difference as well. I mean, Mick Jagger has a newborn son right now. How old is uh, Mick Jagger's girlfriend? I, she's no, she's definitely not older than 40. I think she's like 32 or 33. While on the topic, you know what one of the most bizarre things that I've ever really realized in the world is? Will Chamberlain has no kids. You said Will Chamberlain has no kids? Yeah, <laughs> Will Chamberlain doesn't have any kids. Mr. My, uh... 21,000. Yeah, I was gonna say my body count is in the thousand. <laughs> Uh, Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas, right, also have a pretty significant age gap, and they also recently called it right. Um, and well, we all know Sansa Stark is not one to be tied down. Ask Ramsey Bolton. So people, you know, have taken pretty heavily to this Chris Evans thing, right? Um, Considering, you know, it's a good guy, Chris Evans. Cap literally Captain, Captain America. America. <laughs> With a 16-year age gap. I, I mean, but when you get... So, like, how do you personally, like, feel about this, right? Like, do you think we should even be really, like, looking into it? Because Chris Evans' younger brother... Chris, Chris Evans' younger brother? Chris Evans' younger brother. Uh, recently said in an interview that it's, it's kind of hard when you get to that level of fame to really find genuine like companionship yeah. with a romantic interest yeah. right like and the media is like constantly in for, for everything them to you get past do, the point like for the significant other to be like wow I'm fucking Captain America I mean and also like look at Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner like they just fucking they just decided to call it quits and it's already like a media headline. That means Sophie Turner's back on the market though. Also, mm. when you're when you're over 25, even you said earlier, if you don't mind me saying that like 42 and 20, what did we say? 26? 42 and 26? That's the older I've gotten to realize that, like, the age difference, as long as they are 18, are rising, matters less. And like I said, for me, like, I'm the absolute youngest I would consider is 20. Dude, Al Pacino is 83 and Nora Alfala is fucking 29. So she's 30, right? She's 30. Dating an 83-year-old. No. She's dating Al Pacino. Who <laughs> is 83? Nah. She's dating Al Pacino. 
And The Rock is getting up there too, right? Like, so, like, and I mean, The Rock is married, married happily with children. Thank yes. you very much. Yes, but, like, if The Rock was running around with, like, a fucking 23 year old, do you think anybody would fucking question it? No. No. And Madonna runs around here constantly dating, like, her dancers who were, like, significantly younger, and nobody questions it. Yeah, so, right, because like, she's Madonna. Is it, so what you're saying is, is it a matter of celebrity? I think it's a matter, it's a matter of celebrity, of... but also the content of the celebrity. But it also happens in real life, too. Like, Mick like, Jagger, there's he's a rock of, star. But there's plenty Al of Pacino, real life. he's a gangster. There's plenty of real life situations, though. Hugh like, he's a playboy. Madonna, she's a diva. There's like, lots of doctors and shit out here, lawyers or whatever. Well, they're like, going through a midlife crisis. They don't have even, the career choice to be sleazy. Even, like, giant store managers, right? Like, who are dating significantly younger, right? It's both women and men. It's well, apparently, not... if you ask Joe Budden, it's a problem if you're 36 and they're 26. <laughs> I mean, Drake is out here courting Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> like, not really, not. Allegedly. Allegedly. He was. Allegedly. When she was 17. Allegedly. 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 I mean, Tyga and Kylie Jenner. Is it okay because Chris Evans is 42 and she's 26? Like, I mean, I'm... Or should we I'm mind our gonna, own business? Like, I'm like, gonna say mind your... I mean, at 26, you, you're you pretty cognizant of the world. Is this fandoms getting in the way? Do you, do you think that celebrity worship and, like, getting into celebrities' personal lives... Um, even when it comes to something as, you know, controversial as age gaps and relationships is a bit too much. Um, I mean, how do you feel about fandom? Like, as far as this situation with Chris, like, no, I mean, like, he's 42, so, like, I'm 31. I I can't imagine myself feeling like an old curmudgeon in, in 10 do you, years. So do you think that... Uh, and and like, when I was 26, it, I'm fully cognizant of what is going on in the world. Like, I have opinions and thoughts and everything. But so. do you think that celebrity... Uh, I think Celebrity people, relationship tracking is fandoms gone too far. The people that have a problem with this relationship in particular, I think are going too far. Now, the... The Al Pacino thing. I was joking, but that's a little different. However, I am 100% certain that she is thinking, no, I'm not fucking an 80-something-year-old. I'm fucking Al Pacino. Do you think that us delving that far into celebrity relationships, though, is a step too far as fandoms are concerned, right? Like, because... We are talking about Chris Evans, and he is in a relationship with Alba Baptiste. They are real people. Okay, here's where I want to come up with that. No, the fandom really shouldn't concern themselves with, with it. celebrity relationships, right? Because, A, it's not like... These are two consenting adults we're talking consenting about. Consenting adults, and it's not like... Whether she's 26 and he is 42, or whether he is 32 and she is 54. Look, right? when I was 26 years old, I knew when I was making mistakes. In the words of Riley, like, she know when she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> this is the amount that you fuck around 
And then this is the amount that you find out. Yo, listen, like I said, these are two consenting adults. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the age gap may be weird um, but to us. But it's not us. crazy. Uh, like, it's not 54 years, <laughs> Al Pacino. <laughs> I mean, like we said, Mick Jagger just had a newborn. And the baby yo, mama is... is like, and that girl's young. She's like, young, young. She's like 30. Like, she is thinking, no, I'm not sleeping with an 80-something-year-old. I'm, I'm sleeping with, with Mick Jagger. Jagger. <laughs> That's what she's definitely thinking. God. Oh, my God, dude. Like, Jesus Christ. Nobody it's, else in her generation is going to be like, yeah, I yeah. fucked a Rolling Stone. Yeah, that's like fucking Madonna at this point, dude. That's yeah. like fucking shiny Madonna. No, dude. I, I think... Yes, I know you hold Mick Jagger. Well, I, I, I'll give you Mick Jagger's number is almost infinitesimally higher than you, Madonna's. No, I know. I, I I was I. Disagree. Whose number do you think is higher, Wilt Chamberlain or Mick Jagger's? Um, I'm gonna go Mick Jagger because of white privilege. I'm gonna go with Wilt because he actively sought it out. I think, are you saying that Mick Jagger didn't actively seek it out? No, I think Will Chamberlain was uh, compensating for his lack of ability to win NBA championships by trying to rack up his numbers with win. So, he never actually beat the Boston Celtics. And that of, had uh, bothered him to the day he died. Speaking and Bill of, Russell never let him forget it. Racking up numbers. Fandoms can be dated back as far as Sherlock Holmes. Uh, that's right. The earliest fandom, uh, I guess, phenomenon would have been centered around the Sherlock Holmes book series. The literal cliffhanger! <laughs> um, yes, which is where we get the term cliffhanger from. Which also saw contemporary fans gathering in functional events, also writing fan fictions uh, and uh, holding public Gaining popularity again around the 20th century, centering around science fiction literature and media. Often, uh, some of the first fan conventions were held in the 1930s, but it wasn't until the 1960s when shows like Star Trek and sci fi fandoms really um, got their yeah. like. Trekkies footing. are where I would think yeah. the convention. Um, Okay. In the conventional the, sense of fandom, yes, right. You you immediately think Trekkies, but I did you know that um, as far as like actual like internet fandoms, the first like real internet fandom was X Files. That um, also totally makes sense to me. Yeah, uh, in 1993. Also, thank um, you. I get to use that drop again. Fans no longer had to attend conventions. They could send snail or, or send snail mail. Instead, uh, X-Files fans congregated on web forums and fan sites debating series lore and tracking timeline. Right. How do you think the X-Files has aged? Uh, I would say it's aged pretty well. So is um, David Duchovny. Pause. <laughs> 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 it is yet to be determined how Alba Baptiste and Chris Evans' relationship age, but shows like Firefly and Veronica Mars aged so well that when they were canceled, uh, fans rallied around them successfully to get them 
aired once again for, you know, follow-up movies or one final season. There was another show. Have you ever, you ever heard of the show Jericho? Yes. Jericho was another one that got uh, another season or two based off of uh, fan rallying. As well as uh, Fox's canceled show Lucifer, which was picked up by Netflix on Netflix. Yes, yes. Um, and then finished on Netflix. Fandoms, though, have also been, you know, the center of certain controversies. Like, I'm sure everybody, you know, is the controversy around Rick and Morty, right? In uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Szechuan's us debacle. If right? you're a fan of Attack on Titan, you're mad at half of the Attack on Titan fandom. Also, if you're a fan of this show, then you have heard us discuss some of the controversy around some of these, uh, you know, recent fantasy adaptations and the diversity that has been given to some of the casting. Hey nerds, it's okay that Lord of the Rings has black elves. Some of the backlash that the fandoms have uh, displayed at some of the casting. You know what exists? Black people. You know what doesn't exist? Fucking elves! So, (laughs) with that being said, you know, I know I led into this story with uh, you know, relationship fandoms, right? Uh, but I do feel like that is a part of a fandom, right? When you have this celebrity iconography, right? And this, uh, the worship of these figures as, uh, you know, these media entities, it is part of I'm going to beat you through the fandoms. punch here. I know where you're going with this. I'm going to ask you first. What's the most toxic fandom that you have been aware of? Been- cognizant of or are a part of i mean like listen like we were talking about the impact of taylor swift and beyonce earlier right and both taylor swift and travis scott's concerts have been recorded are they the most toxic though active seismic activity (laughs) travis scott's concerts also have a body count have a body they do have a body count so, and I mean, Drake's Poor All the Dogs was a call to toxic masculinity, I would say, right? In the sense of, like, a Andrew Tate, like, the fandom of Andrew Tate. Like, you want to talk about toxic fandoms, bro? Like, can it get more toxic than Andrew Tate? Yes, I mean, yes, 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 it can. Jordan Peterson's followers. Yes, it can. Kingdom Hearts fans. <laughs> I was at a party once and I saw a guy with a heartless tattoo and I went up and I was like, hey man, nice tattoo. Do you know what he said to me? What? Don't even talk to me unless you've played at least three of the games. Wow. Literally what he said. That's crazy. That's, that's, I mean, listen, there's, there's something to be said about uh, gatekeeping your fandom, right? Um, but uh, then there's instances of fandoms bridging gaps and uh, healing connections, right? Like I, there was a story trending earlier on D&D, right? And how it's helping rehabilitate like prisoners. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like people in, you know, people who are doing time are turning to Dungeons and Dragons as a fucking like escape. You know what's a great way to unite like you know an Islamist radicalist, a white nationalist, 
and a gangbanger? Have them all fight a dragon together. I like how I like how gangbanger was just like synonymous for people for like all the other people like Latinos and black people. Would you have preferred me say a crackhead and a gangbanger? I mean, they could have a crackhead and a gangbanger. Your response tells me that yes, you would have actually yeah. felt better if yeah. I said a crackhead that's, that's, and a gangbanger. That's vague. Like anybody can be a crackhead. Marion Barry or uh, the dude from. God damn it! What's the dude that's from it. Toronto? That's it. That's the best we want to said. If you smoke crack, you can be mayor of DC. Anybody could be, or mayor of Toronto. Uh, <laughs> Turn that six into a knife. But it's working. Right, like it is helping bridge gaps, and it's helping people uh, express themselves in a way that helps them not feel like you know the victims of the circumstance that they're under. Do you want right? to know why? I don't and they're have becoming a fans of the series. Do you want to know why I don't have a problem with Chris Evans dating the 26-year-old? Because he was frozen in ice for 15 years. Uh... Wow, look at you falling into the lore like a fan does. So Because it's canon. And since Marvel acknowledged the multiverse, we are all now canon. Just living in a timeline where Chris Evans is not Steve Rogers. So what is your favorite fan? Um, what... Favorite in what way? I guess, what is your favorite fandom to participate Honestly, it's Urban Anime Lounge. Ah, so anime, anime fandoms are pretty fun to participate Blurred culture, honestly. <laughs> honestly, I love blurred culture. Wow. I love blurred culture because it is completely unvarnished nerd culture. Like, oh my God, if I go up and I talk to like some white magic players about some crazy shit going on. Like they're gonna just take it way too seriously and shit like that. But man, if I go to UAL and I start telling them about me going to Popeyes and I'm like, let me get a three piece chicken tender meal. And then the next thing you know, I post a gif of a guy walking out of an airport with 14 suitcase luggages. They would understand. They would understand. I don't know what it is, but like, all right, I'm, I'm not gonna say I don't know what it is because I know what it is. I know what it is. But I love the people at UAL. Y'all make me feel great. Very at home. Anyway, as far as like nerd fandoms that I really like, I got no problems with Castlevania fandom. Y'all seem pretty dope. <laughs> I don't, look, look, you over here like just absolutely like, admonishing all of the uh and UAL is dope uh shout out to UAL uh, it's honestly where out, I get a lot of my news shout out, shout out to blurred culture right uh because you know what we do over here is keep it real keep it authentic the worst fandom is Fire Emblem but the worst oh, okay let me qualify uh, that yeah. the worst fandom is casual Fire Emblem I feel like um the worst fandoms end up as appropriations and what we don't want to do is appropriate what is the most interesting fan theory you have ever heard mine is flat earth <laughs> um, 
I think you niggas are wild. Hey, listen, you guys are out here just with the most innovative of thoughts, and I kind of admire you for that. You're not afraid to ask the embarrassing questions, and sometimes the embarrassing questions are the ones that really push us forward as a society. What I think is important is asking the questions that people are scared to ask, and uh, Flat Earthers are doing the job the rest of you pussies are too scared to do. You ready? Shoot. Go-Go from Final Fantasy VI. Okay, I thought you meant Go-Go from like DC, but no. that's fine. <laughs> We're getting there. Go-Go from Final Fantasy VI is actually Adelaide Stevenson. Former deceased governor of Illinois. Okay, okay, all right, did not see that coming. Certain quotes of Adelaide lend credence to this theory. Now, keep in mind, Gogo is a mime. Copies all of these powers from everybody else. He also only has, they, they, they also only have like one line of dialogue. Quote from Adelaide Stevenson. I am always amazed by the resistance offered to progress, even the most innocuous progress. Imagine, if you will, jumping from one rickety bridge to another with blind men running back and forth trying to push you off, and you will have some idea what legislating progress is like. The good news is that if you're pushed off, you can always climb back up again. This quote is disturbing in its uncanny likeness to Final Fantasy VI. In order to reach Gogo, the player must navigate his way through several bridges in an underground cavern, jumping from one to another while strange men in green clothes moving around, knocking the character off if they touch it, making the progress begin again. There's more. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that, that's a lot to take in. Oh no, there's more. When asked about his baldness by an NPC reporter in 1952, Stevenson responded, I suppose I could wear a hat, but then my teeth would fall out to spite me. I could get false ones, but doubtless that I would get fat just to prove my teeth work. The easiest course is to drape my whole body in robes and shawls and hope no one recognizes my eyes. Gogo is draped in multicolored robes and shawls and his or her face is barely distinguishable. In another 1952 interview, Stevenson said, President Eisenhower continues to amaze me. He appears to be ungainly and graceless man, but with Senator Robert Taft making a move, no matter how ridiculous, Eisenhower copies it with the skill of French mime Marcel Messel. I haven't achieved such levels of mimicry with my own party, but oh I am working on it. <laughs> this requires almost no explanation. Gogo is a mime with near supernatural skills. Oh, and it keeps going, but I'm gonna save you from that. I was gonna say, what does this have to do with DC? Um, it doesn't, it just goes to show oh, that the Final Fantasy character, Gogo, hidden in Final Fantasy VI, is clearly the former Illinois governor, Adelaide Stevenson. Oh my God. All right, so that is by far my favorite fan. fan what is the so. most underrated fandom that you have ever heard? Most underrated fandom that I've in heard. your opinion. I will say not in my opinion, but in my experience. In my experience, I don't believe the fandom for Bravely Default is appreciated enough, or really the the franchise as a whole. Fuck you. The only answer to that question is the Sonic fandom, uh, because them niggas literally bullied a whole studio into redesigning 
on already million. You said underappreciated. That shit is underappreciated. I think it is truly underappreciated. Oh, the fact that they were they just gonna let bullied, that pass? No, how they bullied a whole studio into redesigning say, a whole movie. I will movie. say the reason. No, no. I'm gonna say that it's underappreciated because the studio at first thought that they would be able to get away with that. And exactly. then the marginalized Sonic community exactly. was like, fuck no. No, exactly. And they made them redesign the character and then they had to edit that throughout the entire movie. And it was good enough that they got another one. It was. Because the original design... Which was probably way cheaper because they didn't have to animate Sonic twice. The original design for that shit? Do you remember how crazy... It was awful. <laughs> It was awful. It was like his eyes were like this big. It was so bad. What's the most overrated fandom you know, in your opinion? Black Clover fans, just because the anime is awful. Ooh. Anime is actually Ooh. fucking terrible. I, my answer is country music. <laughs> the country, also, <laughs> the country music. The singers are fucking terrible. Um, listen, y'all don't. Everything would, that you like about the country guitar twang, Jack White did it better in I rock. I would say that country music is not as far off from mumble rap as y'all think it is. Last one. What is the most memorable fan experience you've ever had? Pogo Summer. Ooh, explain. Pokemon Go Summer. Okay. 2016 oh, Summer. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, Pokemon Go was a... That Pokemon was, Go that Summer. That was like peak Pokemon. That was right? like peak that was society. The close, that was the closest that we're ever going to get to real Pokemon. That's also the closest we're going to get to everybody getting along and being able to talk with anyone about anything. Mm. I don't. I remember walking through old Ellicott City and being like, have you heard about the Snorlax? And they go, yeah, it's up this way. Yeah, no, Pokemon Go was that was that was a crazy moment in time, right? Like, I well, you heard about the Pokemon Go story with like the cops? They, I like turned away from an active crime so they could hunt a Snorlax. <laughs> there were lots of crazy Pokemon Go stories uh, when that I, whole I thing will say happened. the most underappreciated moment because I don't know if people are going to look back. Like, I really think Pogo Summer is something worthy of like scholastic study. I'm not, I'm not going to push back too much on it. I feel like it was peak Pokemon, right? Like, it is the closest we will get to actual, like, Pokemon hunting. The game has evolved a lot. It's the closest we'll get to mass adoption of, of Pokemon, Pokemon hunting. Yeah, yeah. You know, we... For that summer, Pokemon were real. Oh, we man. were all flinging our fidget spinners trying to catch fucking Magikarps. Like... Yeah. Yep, and that's just another reminder that none, none of this, this is, is normal. normal. But what should be normal is supporting your favorite podcast on Patreon. And shout out to all of our patrons, Enraged Peacock. And for all of our card players, board game players, card game supply users, or... People who play Badge of the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Flesh and Blood, Bard Games, or Meat Card Games Supplies, you can use the promo code Ziggy at tokenmtg.com and get 10% off your order. order. 
Thank you guys for tuning in with us. And this is your final reminder to check us out at the Flood Pod on everything. And that is on everything. We'll be back at y'all next week with more hot takes and more pop culture. Deuces. It's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick. We need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates.